I was at the Upper West Side last week, and I showed them this picture, so I didn't want, I mean, you're my family, so I wanted my family to see a picture of my family. This happened last week, so that's Ashley, of course, little Levi, two and a half, and then baby boy, number two, cooking, cooking away. My three Uggamuggas, I love them. So we've been in a series the last couple of weeks on our mission, uh, the three things we do as a church, which are follow Jesus, thrive in community, and make a difference. And so we had the pleasure of hearing from Paul uh, the first week of the series talking about follow Jesus. If you hadn't listened to that message, I strongly suggest you find it on the podcast on our website. And then Andy did a phenomenal job last week talking about thriving in community. So if you missed either one of those, go back and listen to them this week, okay? You don't have to listen to this one again because you're here, unless you want to. It's going to be really good, though. So (laughs) let's dive in. How about that? We're going to be in Ephesians 4 today starting in the first verse. And while you're finding that in your Bible or on your devices, a little context about this specific book of the Bible. It's considered a prison epistle, which basically means that the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, is writing a letter called Ephesians. It wasn't called Ephesians back then, but he's writing a letter to a church he planted in the city of Ephesus while he's in prison in Rome. That's why it's called a prison epistle. And that's why he starts out the letter Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So just remember, he's writing to a church. He's writing to every member of the church in Ephesus. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So let's go back to that very verse first. You have been called by God. And your calling is connected to everyone else's calling in this room and beyond in the church because of verse 16. And there's meaning and significance and purpose attached to your calling. So what is it? What is our individual calling? What is our collective calling? What is our purpose? According to studies done in seminaries in the U.S., 87% of people who go to church do not know what their specific purpose is. 87%. 
So if a church is a body, like we just read in Ephesians, and 87% of that body does not, not know its purpose, do you know what that looks like? That's what it looks like. How effective is that? It's not. It's not effective at all. So that's where we start. What is it? What is our purpose? Something that you need to be aware of. There is something for you to do here at this time on earth that was planned for you before you were ever born. And if no one has ever told you this before, let me have the pleasure of introducing to your, me, let me have the introduction. If no one has ever told you this before, let me have the pleasure of introducing you to yourself. You're not one in a million. You're not one in a billion. You are one of a kind. There is no one else in the world who can do what you can do, who has been gifted the way you've been gifted, and that is part of your calling. Let's all say that together. I'm one of a kind. There's no one like me, and that's a very good thing. And from this day forward, I solemnly commit to discovering and living out my purpose. Just a pro tip, add solemnly to anything, and it makes it way more official. And and I think it's important to recognize, too, that Our callings can have different expressions throughout our lives. So just because I think too often we get in this this rut or this box where we we go in and we take the spiritual gifts test and we see what is attached to that that specific gift and we put ourselves in a box. We're like, oh, because I have this gift, because I'm, I'm made this way, these are the things I can do and these are the only things I can do. But that, it can change throughout your life. Different expressions, one calling. I'll take, take me for example. So I, growing up, I have always been drawn to, to theater, to, the, to dramatic arts, anything uh, in the theater specifically, movies, film, the whole thing. And I, I thought my calling was to tell great stories. That's what I thought. So I moved to L.A. I was like, I'm going I'm to tell stories that matter. I get to L.A. I realize there's a lot of stories that just don't need to be told. <laughs> like, just keep that to yourself. what I realized, and then I, and then I started working for a church, and I realized that it w- wasn't, for me, it wasn't just about telling great stories. It was about telling the story that mattered, the story of a man named Jesus who took all of my sin, all of my shame, died on a cross, rose three days later, defeated sin and death, and I, so that I could have a right relationship with God. So then the, my process was finding my story in the story. And now helping others find their story in the story. Different expression. Same calling. Different expression. And so, we all have one calling, but it's expressed in different ways throughout our lives. And our makeup, our God design, the way God created us is is intrinsically connected to that calling, to that purpose. So the work is to one, understand what the calling is, and then B, one B, one, and then two, <laughs> allowing God to reveal himself to us, allowing God to reveal ourselves to ourselves 
Like, Lord, how did you make me? God, how did you make me? And how can that be outworked as I fulfill my purpose here on the earth? Would you like to know what your purpose is? What your calling is? It's in the Bible. I promise. Ephesians 2, 10. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Your calling, your purpose here while you still have breath in your lungs is to help somebody else, to serve someone else. You see, your life was never meant to be just about you. It was never meant to be just about getting what you need to have a fulfilling life on your own. That's why you can have everything this world has to offer, but there's still a hole. There's still a nagging. Like, there has to be something more. There has to be, I, I, I'm missing significance. I'm missing meaning in my life, even though I have all this stuff. And it's because you were not made for yourself. Let's go back to the text and look at something that could help us further discover our calling. Ephesians 4:11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. We talked about this earlier. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. For those of you newer to Liberty or joining us on, on Liberty Live, you need to know that we're a church on mission. Our mission is to follow Jesus, to thrive in community, and to make a difference wherever we go. Here's the thing. One person is going to have minimal impact in making a difference. And we see in this verse, Ashley and I are not the ministers of the downtown community of Liberty Church. Paul and Andy even are not the only ministers of Liberty Church. We're all ministers. If you're sitting in this room, if you call Liberty Church home, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a minister. You have a ministry. And so the job of the pastor, as it tells it, is to equip you. My job is to equip you to do the ministry God has designed for you to do, whatever that looks like. It's to support you in identifying and growing in your role as a minister. You are a minister. You have a ministry you are a minister in your home, on your job, with your friends. Wherever you go, you are a minister. And so we're going to say it together until you believe it. Say it. Repeat after me. I am a minister. Pretty good. Now say it like you mean it. I am a minister. I have a ministry. Very nice. Some of you may think, Cody, I'm a businessman. I'm a businesswoman. Am I also a minister? Yes. Well, am, am, I, am I a teacher or am I a minister? Yes. Am I a lawyer? Am I a doctor or am I a minister? Yes. Whatever you do, whoever you are, you are a minister. How many medical professionals do we have in the room? Where's Susan? Oh, she's taking care of our kids. Great. Perfect. That's wonderful, actually. I'm very blessed by that. Oh, makes me feel really good. Ministry is actually a nursing term. 
translated in the Bible, ministry literally means people who bring aid to the hurting. That's what ministry is. And so you are a minister, and hopefully that changes our perspective on, on how we are to go about life. Clearly, you don't have to be in the ministry to have a ministry because you are in the ministry because you are a minister, regardless of what you do. And so I wonder if that would even change our perspective on, on how we approach different situations or how we approach different conversations, knowing that I am a minister wherever I go. So how, how, do, we, how do we cultivate this minister now that we all believe that we are one of a kind and that we have a ministry? How do we, how do we discover this ministry? How do we foster this ministry that's in all of us and that looks different in all of us? Well, first, let's look at some signposts, some guides to help us discover how we were made. And th the first one would be our gifts and passions. What are you good at naturally? What, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? What fires you up? What keeps you up at night? Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If, you are a gift, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership, ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do so gladly. You have something that when you do it, you're really good at it. And not only that, but when you do it, other people are impacted. People are changed by whatever this is that you're good at. So again, it's not just about you. It's not just for you. It causes people to change when you do it. In fact, that word, gifts, in the original language is translated charis, which means divine gift, heavenly gift. So it is literally a gift straight from heaven just to you. And no one else can do it. And it's from God, and it's heavenly. And so when you engage in that gift, people are changed because it is from heaven. Maybe you're an exceptional host in your home. Maybe you love entertaining, love having people over. Uh, regardless of the size of your apartment, you're really good at it. And people come over and they feel at home and at ease and you make people feel comfortable. If that's you, it's, it's probably a gift. So why not engage that gift and in the context of the local church, in the context of liberty, and think about leading a community group. Think about creating a safe space for people to come and people that do feel alone, people that do feel, like it's, it's really easy to feel alone in this city, like a city full of strangers. And so if that's your gift, why not engage in it? Why not activate it and create the, the home, create, be a host for someone else, be a host for the presence of God in your home, someone coming in, re recognizing that they aren't alone, recognizing that they do belong. Or maybe you're really good with kids. And I'll just talk to Susan right now. I speak of Susan right now. I just, I, it, it makes me so, I'm using her nursing gifts and skill and everything that she's learned. And now my kid, because he's up there right now, my kid is the recipient of her love and she has a strong mercy gift. And I'm so thankful that she's up there right now, not only like taking care of our children, but investing in the next generation. So if that's some, if you're like that, if kids like notice you on the street, kids are very, very good at discerning what kind of people are. 
Watch. They, they, they are like, oh, I know, I know who this is. They're really good at it because they have no filter. <laughs> I'm like, no, you make me uncomfortable. <laughs> but if kids notice you on the street or, or people ask you often to spend time with their kids because their kids love you so much, that's a gift. That's a gift from heaven. So think about how you can activate and engage that gift in the local body. Or maybe you're ready to make a difference. You're like, Cody, yeah, that sounds great. Purpose sounds great. Significance sounds great. Yes, I'm in. I don't know what my gifts are. That's okay. We, that's the whole point of next steps. Come, come to next steps right in this room, right after church, after the service today, and we'll help you. We'll help you because that's, that's, our, that's our job as a church, help you discover what, how God has designed you, what gifts are in you, and how together we can make a difference because that's how it works. Whatever it is, find your thing and do it. You find your ministry and how you're wired, and then we partner together as a church family to make a difference. I remember the first time I started serving in church. I was on the Connections team, and I don't know if you know about this, know this about me, but um, I'm a very big extrovert. I don't know if you noticed. Even, in fact, the, the personality test, Myers-Briggs, like my E is like capitalized, bolded, italicized, underlined, cursive. I don't even know what the other letters are because the E, it's like in the shadows of the E. I don't even know what they are. So anyway, a few, a few years passed of me on the Connections team, and then something really interesting, and, and I got to meet new people every week and help them get connected in community through groups and serving on the team, and, and after a few years, something really interesting started happening. People would come up to me and be like, hey, Cody, you were the first person I met in church, and, and you helped me get connected. You helped me uh, have a sense of belonging. You helped me feel like I was a part of something. Uh, and now I'm doing that for others, regardless of where they were serving or, or what they were doing. And that's what it's all about. You want to talk about significance. Somebody coming up into, to you and saying, hey, you, you helped me belong. You helped me find my place. You pointed me to Jesus. And for that, I'm changed. That's what it's all about. The path to significance is in serving. So get creative. Listen, whatever you're good at, use it. And listen, it does not have to be a Bible study. It doesn't have to be. I love Bible studies, but it doesn't have to be a Bible study. Say your, your passion is running. You love running. Start a running group. And the ministry will come to you. I won't be in that group, obviously. But there are people who love to run, and being together and running, running the race. It's, it's, it's a lot of running. You'll be, at, you'll be amazed at the ministry that comes to you when you activate what's in you. Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. God, can you use my running? 
Absolutely. God, can you use my entrepreneurial gifting? Absolutely. God, can you use my, my love for entertaining and having, gathering people? Absolutely. God, can you use my love for kids in ways you can't even fathom? You are a minister everywhere you go. Something that else that helps us identify and shape our ministry is personal experience. If you've been around for longer than a minute on this planet, you've learned some things, right? And can we all just agree that most of the lessons we've learned have come from our own stupidity? I was going to say stubbornness, but we're family, so stupidity. And part of your ministry is teaching someone else what you've learned. Either so they don't have to go through it, or maybe it went really well. So you're like, hey, this really works. So maybe you should try it. A few years ago, a, a, an older, much wiser pastor friend of mine um, did this very thing. He taught me, well, he taught me a lot of things, but he taught me about this concept called uh, friendship leadership. And our team, uh, Ashley taught our team about it last week in our team meeting before service. And basically the concept is this, is how do you, so, so often we, we're taught that we can't be friends with the people we lead. But if that's true, then Jesus wasn't a very good leader because he called his disciples his friends. And, and then uh, the rest of this concept is how do, you, how do you treat your friends when they're successful? Are you like the first in line to be their cheerleader and their supporter? Or is there this underlying competition and envy when your friends find success? One day, uh, I was talking with this pastor friend of mine, and a, a young girl walked up, a girl who was interning with me at the time. And I wasn't sure if they knew each other, so I wanted to in introduce them. And I said, hey, um, talking to the pastor, hey, this is, my, this is Tiffany. She's my intern. And I'll never forget his response. He lived out this concept of friendship leadership. He said, oh, I know Tiffany. She's my friend. And so to have an older established pastor call this young woman his friend, in that instant, I saw her, her whole countenance changed. Like confidence came up, like her shoulders went back. She felt, I could tell she felt seen. She felt loved in that moment. She went from a mere intern to being somebody's friend, someone she highly regarded as their friend. And that moment for me is crystallized. It changed the way I do ministry, changed the way I do my ministry. It's like, oh, no, it's, it's about friendship, leadership, and modeling that. And he taught me something that day that he lived out. Personal experience. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So not only do we have personal experience to draw on for our ministry, but we also have our personal pain. There is pain in your purpose. Purpose in your pain. <laughs> it's also not really that easy to walk in purpose, so there's going to be some pain. <laughs> One of our closest friends, uh, Harmony Grillo. She, one of the most brilliant women I've ever met in my life. Uh, she's a sex industry overcomer. And she lives out the scripture in 2 Corinthians we just read. She started Treasures Ministry in 2003. 
uh, and she had been out of the industry for a little while. And she drew, one night she drove past a, a strip club that she used to work at. And she saw the cars of all the women working that night lined up in the parking lot. And she, she felt a call. She felt a stirring of purpose. And she's like, what can I do for these women? And so she didn't, she didn't have anything with her. So she literally uh, pulled into the parking lot, rummaged through her uh, glove compartment, and found cards. And so she took these cards and started writing handwritten notes to all the women working. Notes that said, you are loved, you are valued, you are purposed. And she put all those cards on the windshield of the cars of the women working that night. Fast forward 14 years later, and Treasures has now trained sex outreach leaders in over 100 cities in over five continents on the planet. Over 7,000 women will be impacted this year alone with the message that they are loved, valued, and purposed through treasures in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and here in New York. You are a minister wherever you go. Your pain has purpose. And is it difficult to overcome that pain? Of course. Yes, it is. But you have to realize that someone's attached at the other end of that pain. Someone that you can help. Someone that needs you to be the difference maker in their life because of what you've experienced. What you've been through can help somebody else. But what is it? What stops us from living in purpose? What keeps us? What's the resistance? Why aren't more of us living purpose-filled, meaningful, significant lives? What keeps us from doing that? We all know what it is. Fear. Fear stops us from walking in our purpose, walking in our calling. Maybe it's the fear of our past, however distant or not so distant. Oh, I'd love to step into my calling. I'd love to step into my purpose. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. And can I just say to that, your past does not disqualify you. It qualifies you all the more. And everything we've been talking about, your past has not disqualified you. You are not a failure. You are not alone. You are qualified to help somebody else based on what you've been through. Romans eleven twenty nine. In the message version, I love this. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. Growing up in the South, I always heard this phrase, and it, it put some fear in me. I was like, I don't know. If use it or lose it, that was the phrase. Either you use it or it's gone. Clearly, this is not biblical. <laughs> because the Bible I'm reading says God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Warranty, lifetime warranty, never canceled, never rescinded, never taken away. There are gifts in you that no one else has, that the world needs. And so our responsibility now is to identify those gifts, discover those gifts, activate those gifts, and make a difference. And, and not leave New York City like we found it. Yeah? Or maybe, maybe it's the fear of actually taking a step right? Maybe, maybe we worry about what people will think if we try to take a step. Maybe we're afraid of how we'll look if we try to take a step. Can we just clear the air? You're going to mess up. There's going to be some missteps, right? Like there, is, 
the only roadmap we have in this thing called faith is directions and guardrails. It's all about forward movement. It's about actually taking the step. But we're worried about what it's going to look like when we take the step. And we think, why do we do this? And I struggle with this too. Why do we think we have to be Olympic gymnasts to take a step? Right? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not quite ready. I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm not ready to take a step. Do you know who does not care about how they look when they take the first step? Babies. And they look crazy. In fact, I have a video for you. <laughs> oh, bunk. Rocky, Rocky. Oh. good, right? It doesn't matter what the first step is, only that you take it. And it's okay to look crazy. It doesn't matter what it looks like, only that you take it. The path to significance is in serving. As the worship team comes back up, I, lastly, th there's one more step, or there's one more possible resistance to walking in purpose. One more fear, and that's the fear of failure. Maybe you tried to take a step at one point, and you fell, and you still have the scars from that fall. Maybe you stepped out and somebody close to you, close to you hurt you. Or maybe you took a step and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Or maybe you were taking steps in purpose and, you didn't call it, and it was harder than you thought it was gonna be so you took a break. I'm here to tell you, it's time to take the next step. And it's okay. And you're not a failure. And you're not a mistake. You have what it takes. You're one of a kind. And will it be easy? No. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. And God will be with you every step of the way. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.